welcome back to Mindful Minds. Um, it's just going to be me today, which is fun. Um, we haven't done one of these in a little while. Um, this is also one of the fun episodes that I am recording in real time, which means that <laughs> things that I'm going to reference are actually going to be relevant. Um, but today I'm going to be talking about my eating disorder journey. Um, this was supposed to come out last week. And to be completely honest, I had one of those weeks where everything in the world went wrong. Um, just like really stupid stuff too. Just like, you know, like customer service stuff and like appliances failing and like my car failing, like just everything just kind of went wrong. And the idea of hopping on and recording an episode that I knew was going to be emotionally draining just did not seem wise. Um, and I think that's actually why this episode is a little different from different. I've done a few episodes about like my personal journeys on things. And um, I'm going to do this one this week. And then we're going to have two episodes with guests. And then the following week, I'm going to be talking about my um, journey recovering from uh, multiple abusive relationships. And I think after that, um, we're going to put a pause on me sharing some of my personal journeys. Um, I do really like these episodes because I think it gives insight into my background. And if you don't know me personally, or you know me at kind of, you know, not the deepest level, my opinions on some of the topics that I talk about with guests are uh, very interconnected to like my personal experiences. And if you don't know my personal experiences, there's a little bit of context that's lost there. So I like these episodes. But when you're talking about your own trauma on a podcast, it's a little, it's a little overwhelming. And um, I've recently made the decision to like hop off social media for the next like six months. Um, I'm still having to run the blog social media, but other than like my personal social media, like I've completely shut down. Um, and part of that is just that I, for a while, would use my social media as a platform to share about really personal stuff. And I've realized that. That was great for a certain period of my life, but after these next two episodes, like I want to have a little bit more, I don't know, privacy and intentionality behind who I share certain things with. Um, but yeah, all that to say, this is a little bit of a heavier episode for me. I don't know if it'll be heavy for you. It'll be heavy for me. Um, it's also one of those ones that I can kind of trigger warning in advance um, so we're going to be talking about eating disorders, right? So if that's something that you know is triggering for you, please feel free to tap out on this one. Um, I'm also just going to be talking about like, you know, body dysmorphia, body hatred, insecurities. Um, my sexual assault will most likely be a part of this, this journey as well. Um, and then there will also be a little bit of talk about, um, abusive relationships that will tie into the episode that'll come out in three or four weeks. Um, but yeah, and lots of talk about dieting and diet culture as well. Um, cause that's a huge part of my, my background. Um, but yeah, so we can get into this. <laughs> I'm stalling. Um, and the reason why I wanted to do this after the episode that came out last or two weeks ago with the wonderful Debbie Lesko, um, is because I wanted to have someone who has a lot more experience in this than I do. Uh, who just knows a lot more and has, you know, the personal experience. And then we also had the episode with Megan Watson, 
who then has the professional experience and expertise. So I wanted to kind of give two episodes that address eating disorders in uh, a way with someone who has years of experience personally going through this and then someone who this is quite literally their job, you know, a licensed therapist who can talk you guys through. So if you haven't listened to those two episodes, I would highly recommend listening to those before listening to my journey. I don't want to be the source of your, um, I don't really want you to learn from me. (laughs) This is one of the quote unquote, like journey episodes that I've done that I am still very actively going through. Um, which I think is why it makes it so much more, more like vulnerable and intimate and intense for me because I'm not over it. Like I, this is not something that I'm like talking in past tense. Whereas I feel like even the abusive relationship one, like I haven't been in an abusive relationship in two years. Um, I, my sexual assault happened when I was 18. I am 22. So like there's some distance between that. Not that the healing isn't still ongoing, but the actual experience is distanced a little bit. Whereas with my eating disorder, like it's still something that I actively am processing through and am relapsing in. So like, it's a very constant process for me. And I think that's why it makes this a lot more scary to talk about because I'm not coming from a place of like, almost like I am on top of the mountaintop. And I think that can kind of boost your ego a little bit of like, it's not as scary to share because it's like, you're presenting it like you're over it, even if you're not over it. But with this, I'm presenting it of like, Hey, I'm still very deep in the Valley. And like, here's my experience. And with that being said, this is something that I'm still actively going through, have not completely come. Like I'm not in remission. Um, I've only started addressing this problem in the last year. It's very fresh for me. So I don't want you guys to get your advice or your therapy or your ways to heal from me. I think it's a lot better to get it from people who have um, like a license and years of you know therapy experience like Megan, um, who gives so many amazing uh, tips, advice, definitions in episode uh, 20. Um, which I will link both of the episodes that I'm referring to in, um, the show notes, but I'm referring to episode 20 and episode uh, 22. Um, so yeah, so Megan is a a therapist and we talk about eating disorders. And then in episode 22, uh, Debbie Lesko comes on, who is, she has an amazing account called diets don't work. And, um, she talks about diet culture and her experience of having an eating disorder for like 50 years. So you have someone who's had personal experience really battling and is in remission. And then you have someone who has professional experience and expertise. So I wanted to make sure that you guys had those resources before I started talking about my experience. I didn't want my experience to be the first thing that you heard. So with all of that lovely context and background, let's get into it. Um, a lot, there's going to be some repeats of stories, by the way, because I wanted to kind of, um, have an episode that shares the entirety of my eating disorder story up to this point, but I have given like, obviously I've talked about some stuff in other episodes where we've addressed eating disorders and I've shared a little bit of background, um, with my personal experiences, but, um, the earliest memory I have of hating my body, I was like five years old, which that's just upsetting. (laughs) Um, I was a dancer. I grew up in dance. Um, I started dance when I was three years old and I danced until I was 13. 
And I didn't just like take a dance class here or there. I was in dance like five days a week. I was taking like four to five classes at a time. Um, it was a very involved sport. And that was what I was involved in for the majority of like my early childhood years. Um, the really funny thing about dancers is that there's like kind of a, like it's well known, like dancer body where you have like larger thighs and like a larger butt because there's so much leg work that you start to build muscle in those, like in your legs and your butt compared to like, if you look at a ballerina they're known for being like very thin. So there's kind of this like competing culture where you're going to be muscular, but then like, there's also kind of this expectation to be thin. Um, especially in like the early two thousands and 2010s, which is when I was dancing. So we hadn't graduated to the body positivity that is now included in dance where there are, um, dancers who, represent bodies that were not seen in dance culture 15 years ago. Um, not to mention the two thousands was like the time period where the low rise jeans were in, um, the God, what else? Like, I mean the, the pop stars that were popular were just like skinny as sticks. And there was so many diets. Um, every it was a very heavy like diet culture, like skinny girl time period, right? And I was not necessarily that person. I wasn't. Um, I was a relatively small kiddo, but I just had some curves on me. Um, and I remember when I was like four or five, I we transferred to a new dance academy because we moved, and two things happened. Um, for one. I have a natural sway back that got way worse because of dance and I now have chronic back problems. So that's super cool. But, um, you arch your back a lot in dancing, especially in ballet. Um, and it's like known to cause like health problems <laughs> and like body, like, you know, your body, like chronic pain and stuff. So I would, I already had a sway back and then I would like have to arch more for dance and I would take ballet. I remember having a ballet teacher that I and she was very, very mean. And I, I was a child. I'm talking like five or six, maybe. And when you arch your back and you have your a five or six year old, five or six year olds are always kind of have that little cute like belly where it's just kind of like you've got you just have like a natural curve to your belly that like starts to uh, like kind of regulate itself if you stay your like your smaller size. Um, like if you're a smaller kiddo and you have like, just kind of like a little bit, it looks like a little bit of a swollen belly and like babies have it too. It's just kind of this little like baby belly. Um, I had that, which, uh, if you weighed the weight that I weighed, you probably would also have that. Like, it's just not an abnormal thing. And even if, you know, even if I had a little bit of extra weight on my tummy or was, um, bigger than some of the other kids, Still not something that you want to say to a child. Um, this dance teacher called me out and was like, suck in, suck in. Um, which if you've taken ballet, that's actually like a very common thing is telling people to suck in their stomachs. Um, and you're also arching your back. So like you can't fucking breathe. And I remember like 
being so insecure. I don't think I told my parents either. I think I just like kept that to myself because if my mom knew that there was like a teacher telling her six-year-old to like suck in her like fat ass stomach, like there would be like an issue. Um, and then a little while later, I remember a fellow like dancer, like a, a, a kid in my class, um, I was wearing um, booty shorts, AKA spandex and um, wearing them to a hip hop class. I think, I think I was like six. And uh, another dancer came up to me who was my age and was like, your, your butt is so big. Like, why is your butt so big? And like said it in front of the whole class and everyone started laughing, which, you know, probably back in that, that time period when having anything that was big was not okay. And you want to fit into these things that are all very small. Like it was just, it was embarrassing. And it was definitely like a formative memory for me. Um, I think from that point forward, I remember really fixating on my weight and I would look in the mirror and it wasn't affecting my diet choices yet. Um, but it was in my head. So I would look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, like I look so fat. Oh my God. I look, oh my God. Like my thighs are huge. Um, I would say it out loud in front of my family, like trying on clothes was kind of a disaster because I would always feel really insecure. It just like planted insecurity into me. So there's kind of that whole realm, right? Then you just have society in general that is shaming people who aren't a size like two. Um, and I wasn't a size two and all of my friends were very, 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 very small people. and. It's not that I was, I was a kind of an average size. I don't know. I don't like that word either, but I was just kind of in the middle. And there were also a lot of fat jokes going around, not about me, but like fat jokes were very prevalent, right? Like you, the kids that were fat got made fun of and I didn't want to have that happen to me. And so I was so fixated on like trying to stay smaller or get smaller or whatever. So there's, there's that. And then there's the like dreaded clothes shopping. I remember like the funny thing that you don't realize as a kid is trends come and go. <laughs> you don't quite get that as a kid. Like, cause a lot of times like trends take a few years to come and go. And when you're little and your whole life is just a few years, it seems like something has been around forever. And so I remember just like being really upset that certain trends like looked really bad on me or like didn't fit me when in reality, like as an adult, I wear the same thing. Like my uniform is like high-waisted black jeans and a band t-shirt. Like that's literally what I wear pretty much all the time with like either boots or like heels or cool tennis shoes. Like that's just what I wear. And I remember like always just being so insecure about like, oh my gosh, like this doesn't work. And I would have full meltdowns like before church in the morning, like, oh, this doesn't fit me. Like I look terrible. And I would run around like crying and having a full meltdown. And that was like started at like seven and lasted until I was literally like 18. Um, like clothes were just kind of my nemesis. I just like hated the way that I looked in things. I also had insecurities about my smile. I had been made fun of for the way that my smile looked. I had been made fun of for the way that one of my eyes squints more 
when I smile and it got dubbed my crazy eye. Um, I was insecure about my teeth. I was insecure about my nose. Like literally like my list of insecurities compared to the list of things that I liked about myself were like non-existent. Um, like the, the list of things I liked was so small. And honestly, it was my eyes. <laughs> it was like my eyes and my hair, which were the only two things that I would really get complimented on. Um, I have like a really crazy eye color. Like they're, my eyes are kind of fucking intense and I like would always get complimented on my eyes. And I just like, I never got complimented on my body or how I looked like that was never something that I got complimented on. And I've talked to people about this before. And I think it happens a lot. If you gain a lot of weight and then you lose a lot of weight and then you gain a lot of weight, you notice how compliments change. And when you're not being actively affirmed on something that you're insecure about, that just like feeds the insecurity more, right? So that's kind of the the background there. I also grew up in a house and in an environment where diets were very active. Um, I learned how to diet at a very young age. Um, I think part of that was just the time that I grew up in. Uh, I think part of that was the time that my parents grew up in. But um, there was a lot of like food restriction in my household. There was a lot of dieting in my household. And when my family would go on a diet, I would go on a diet. Um, There was a lot of me eating like diet bars at a very young age and having a lot of gastrointestinal distress because the diet bars were filled with artificial sugar, which I have now found out I am highly allergic to. Um, but I spent a good, I don't know, 10 years eating a lot of sugar-free things, a lot of low-carb things, a lot of, like, diet sodas, and had no idea that that was something that I was, like, really, really sensitive to. Um, and so I was very aware of my, of my, of my weight and my eating habits. Um, I was also anemic as a child. And so I actually think that that is what started my, I don't know if addiction is the right word, but my fascination with the feeling of being lightheaded and feeling really like shaky. And I liked that feeling. There was like an endorphin rush that came with that, a feeling very like lightheaded and jittery and like just kind of being all over the place. Um, and that'll feed that'll that'll make sense later um in my journey but yeah i was just overall very aware very aware of my body very aware of what i was eating not like self aware not in a good way just like highly critical and aware of myself and i was very verbally critical of myself um so yeah i started working out at a really young age um and then you have the iphone the iPhone gets introduced when I am, oh shit, I think I was like 12 when it started becoming like an actual popular thing, like when more and more kids started getting them. Um, I think I got my first one when I was like 13 and you have the app store. And for someone who is already experiencing a lot of body dysmorphia, a lot of insecurity and shame around the way that I look. And then you introduce the app store where I can search diet or fitness and get linked up with these calorie counter, my fitness pal apps. So now you have a 13, 14 year old 
tracking everything that I'm eating. Um, and I'm talking like to a really intense, uh, level, like me, like I remember when they came out with the, the feature of scanning foods where you could scan the barcode and it would input how many calories you were supposed to intake. Um, during this time period, I was also cheering. I had switched over to cheerleading and, um, there was never a gap like during that time period that I wasn't doing sports. Right. Cause I went from dance to straight to cheer and cheer is also very physical. And we did like some really intense stuff and we would work out with the high school football team. And like, it was a lot Like we do like P90X and like the Jillian Michaels workouts, like on a normal basis. Um, and yeah, like, and I always just had this like fascination too, with like working out and like losing weight. And I remember like, I would like get my magazines that I would get and I'd like look for the, like the workout smoothies and I do the detox waters. And that's also when Pinterest started to get popular. So I would start to look for like, like fast ways to lose weight and like, how can like, what detox waters can I do? And like, Oh, if you put lemon in your water, like, and heat it up in the morning, like, then you lose weight faster. Like, let's do that. Oh, this is a low carb snack. Like, I was just trying, like, everything that I could try. Um, and then you've got cheer, which cheer is also a sport where it's normally a lot of skinny, pretty girls. So that doesn't help (laughs) the situation. And, um, Yeah. And then you've also got high school. Like now I'm like in like middle, like end of middle school, like, you know, throughout middle school and I'm going into high school is kind of this whole time period. So I've got like, you know, apps, I've got Pinterest, I've got, um, biggest losers on TV, uh, starting to do like DVD workouts. Like I remember I joined like yoga for a little while, like just overall, like really obsessed with how can I get thin. And I don't think that I was exhibiting eating disorder uh, habits food-wise yet. I think, if anything, I was more experiencing, well, I guess I was kind of experiencing or exhibiting, like, orthorexia of, like, just, like, an obsession with, like, clean eating and, like, um, dieting and, like, diet culture. But it wasn't translating over to everything that I ate. And then... Fast forward to I turn 15 and I go through a really bad, I might've actually, I was still 14. I think, I think I was on my way to turning 15. I go through a really bad depressive episode, which I've spoken about before. Um, I end up gaining, uh, like close to like 70 or 80 pounds, I think. And for me, that was like heartbreaking. Um, there was no language in my household, in my life of your body is beautiful. Your body, um, look at all the really amazing things that your body does for you. Look at how your body has carried you. Um, your arms give fantastic hugs. There was, there wasn't any of that language. Like there was no body positivity or body love in my household. And so, um, that was not something that I was familiar with. And it also wasn't really popular on social media yet. And, um, that's also not to rag on my household. That is something that I've talked with, with my family and how that has harmed me. And that's something that we've all like worked through as a family. And, you know, there are things where 
you bring your own crap into your parenting. And like that, that's something that there's no, there's no like anger or like, oh my God, I can't believe that's how I grew up. Like, that's not how I look at my childhood in that aspect at all. Um, but either way, just so you know, it wasn't really the environment that I grew up in. It wasn't a body positive environment. And so, um, I go through this depressive episode. Also, granted, at this time, I was unaware that I was bipolar. So I go through this depressive episode, and it's a really long, intense depressive episode. I end up getting put on antidepressants, which I have a mood disorder, so I shouldn't have been put on antidepressants. I end up being put on a lot of antidepressants. Um, I end up gaining a lot of weight because I started coping through food and was very um, just depressed. And then I end up getting sexually assaulted in that time period as well. Let me tell you guys, sophomore year of high school was fucking awful. (laughs) So, um, yeah, like, so that had, uh, that all happens. Okay. And the only thing that I feel like I have control over is my weight. I had gained a lot of weight. I hated the way that I looked. I remember going into a TJ Maxx um, dressing room with my sister and I looked in the mirror and saw my stretch marks and I had never seen stretch marks that looked like that on my body. And I remember having a full mental breakdown and hysterically crying in the TJ Maxx and telling my sister, like, we have to leave. And I just like had a full meltdown. And, um, it was all just very upsetting. I think part of the reason why I met up with the guy that I ended up getting assaulted by was because I hated myself so much and I needed some sort of outward affirmation to show that I was still desirable. There was also a bullying situation happening at my school where everyone thought I was a lesbian and none of the boys wanted anything to do with me. So there was this like mental aspect of being depressed. There was the aspect of me hating my body. I was getting bullied and like, I just like, I think a lot of my little child brain saw that as like, I am fat and that is why this is happening to me. Um, which how sad that like breaks my heart for childhood Fina that I like attributed so much of this pain and trauma and things that happened to me as like a, Hey, will you let yourself get fat? And like, this is what happens. Um, And I also had so much internal fat phobia because I had my whole life had been taught that I don't, I don't want to be fat. And so the idea of ever gaining weight was just terrifying to me. And even like I had so many judgmental thoughts that would go through my head when I would see a fat person, like there was no uh, body positive uh, internal dialogue at all. Um, that was also when like self-care wasn't even really a word that was being tossed around. Right. So like self-love wasn't even really being advertised yet. Um, so I get assaulted and it, I'm just depressed (laughs) and I didn't know, I, I didn't know I had been assaulted, but I just knew I felt horrible. Um, I'm going through a lot of different things mentally. I'm getting off medication. I'm getting put on medication. Like, I don't have any friends. It was just a fucking nightmare. And I remember making a goal 
that I was going to get a really small prom dress for the prom event that would be happening that April or May. And I was going to fit into it. And I remember like aiming for like a size two. And I've talked about this a little bit in the um, problematic child or Christian childhood with uh, Hannah Schoenbein. But um, from January until May or April, a little before January, no January, because it was like the end of January. So from like end of January, beginning of February to April or May, I lost like 75 pounds, um, which is really bad. You do not want to do that. That is so bad for your body. Um, and I did it through working out two to three times a day. I was doing home workouts. I would work out all the time in my room. Um, I was dieting. Um, I had already done a few diets before this that were pretty minor, but this was really drastic. Um, I was doing basically keto. Um, but I was doing it really intense and then was also skipping meals and was not eating breakfast, would often eat very little for lunch. Um, I was also like drinking a lot of coffee. So it was like working as a laxative and, um, it was just overall pretty awful. Um, and unfortunately because my household was a diet household, like that wasn't alarming. Like that was something that like. I had learned how to do and how to do it pretty drastically. And I ended up losing weight, losing a lot of weight, and I did fit into the dress. And I've heard people say nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And like as someone who all I wanted to be my entire life was skinny, I was very thin. Um, the thinnest I've ever been as like a you know, you kind of get your body at puberty, right? Since puberty, that was the thinnest I had ever been. Like I stopped growing. I settled into my, my natural weight and then I gained a lot of weight. And then I, I, I lost more weight and was thinner than when I had started. And so I could fit into a zero. I could fit into it too. And that was like the best feeling in the world. I remember even telling my mom, like, I'm a small, oh my God, I'm a small or like an extra small. And I just loved it. Like, I loved it. And it was unhealthy, like very unhealthy. You could see my ribs. You could see my ribs on my chest. Um, I dropped, like, s multiple cup sizes. Um, I had to, like, buy all new clothes, all new bras. Ended up fitting into this dress and then still got bullied. Um, and the next year I did running start because school just was not working and people were fucking mean. Um, but I was at this weight where like, I really liked myself and my hair, I had, to, I had cut a pixie cut in the middle of all of this and it was a really bad haircut. And then, um, my hair had grown out. It started to look kind of Audrey Hepburn ish. And I really thought it like, I fell into kind of a cute style pattern. I started dressing like a lot of the dresses that like Twiggy would wear kind of unique like people were complimenting me all the time and I just like loved it like it was amazing but I did not have the energy or the stamina to keep up with this like rigid diet that was like not feeding my body the energy and the food that it needed to be able to function and so I started eating a little bit more normally and like regulating 
And I started to gain a little bit of weight back. And um, fast forward maybe a year and I had settled back at kind of a norm, like my, my, my set weight, you know, an average weight for me. And the compliments started to slow down. And people around me would had that had seen me on this diet, this really aggressive diet and this really quote unquote healthy way of eating, which funny enough, it was a wildly unhealthy way of eating. Um, these people started to correct me and try to hold me accountable with my eating patterns and not in a good way. Like say, Oh, well you don't need to go get ice cream. Like things like that. And like I mentioned earlier, when you're, there's something that you're already insecure about and you're not receiving any affirmation and then you quote unquote fix that insecurity. And I don't mean fix it internally. I mean, externally, you do what you need to do to make the insecurity feel like something that you're not insecure about anymore. And then you get a ton of compliments and then you go backwards to now where you were to begin with and the compliments stop. It is gut wrenching. Like it is terrible (laughs) to then be like, oh, so my worth is in what I look like because now no one is complimenting me. No one is affirming me. My worth and my value was in how much I weighed, which is a really, really, really aggressive and hard thing to try to overcome when you don't have any tools to do so. I wasn't in therapy. I wasn't in anything to treat this because no one thought I had a problem, right? Um, I People had asked me, I've, I've said this before, but people had asked me, we we talk about eating disorders and I'd say, Oh, I don't, I, I don't have eating disorder. I love food too much because in my head there was very little, um, education about what eating disorders actually are. And in my head, anorexia was you don't eat at all, which I've mentioned this in another episode, but like, that's so silly because if you don't eat at all, you're dead. <laughs> like you can't just like never eat. But in my head, like anorexia was just like, not, you just like never ate. And I was like, Oh, well I eat. So I'm not anorexic. And my anorexic um, eating habits like started around like 14 and 15. I definitely like had some eating disorder patterns before then. But once I hit this like really intense diet, it, it like really sparked it, which then I would like love this feeling of feeling lightheaded because feeling lightheaded and feeling nauseous and dizzy meant that I was on my way to skinny. And that was what I was searching for. Which, how upsetting is that to say that out loud? Like, that me causing myself physical harm was, like, my goal. Because then it meant that my body would look a certain way. It's so upsetting. Um, But, yeah. So, then I go to college in high school. I did Running Start. So, I did college when I was 16, 17, 18. And um, I had a lot more freedom. And my schedule was a little bit more not traditional, right? When you're in college, you don't have, like, a lunch period. and unfortunately. That really harmed me in the long run. Um, it running start was the best thing I could have done for myself mentally and socially. Um, I needed to get out of the school that I was in. It was so toxic for me, and so I did so good academically. I did so good socially. I did. I was doing so good mentally, but with this eating disorder that I was not diagnosed with, did not know I had. It, it was not good for that. Um, and that's because I thrive on structure. So when I don't have structure. 
And specifically when meals are not structured and there's not time set aside for meals, it is really easy for me to just skip those meals and not eat. And as a 16-year-old little baby who had just come out of this really aggressive diet cycle, it was not healthy for me to now no longer have structure and not have a time set aside for meals. Um, and I, you know, when you start college, it comes with a lot more independence. And although I was still living at home, I had a very independent schedule. And so I didn't schedule time out to have breakfast or to, um, eat lunch. And if, if I, when I did eat lunch, it was smaller or I would eat a really big lunch. And then I would be like, Oh, I don't want to eat a big dinner. So that was kind of my poison of choice was I would either skip meals and then eat a bigger meal later in the day, or I would eat a bigger meal earlier in the day and then be like, oh, well, now I can't eat a normal sized meal in the evening. I need to like cut that and like compensate. Um, If I knew I was going to have a big dinner, like go out to dinner with somebody, I would like not eat lunch, not eat breakfast. Um, And funny enough, I did not know that that was a problem. Like that was not something that registered in my brain as being unhealthy. So. I was very lightheaded on a very normal basis. I also was dealing with a lot harder academics and a schedule that was pretty fucking rigorous. And I was also really involved in my church and had a lot of extracurriculars going on. So I was drinking a lot of coffee and like was having a lot of caffeine in my system, drinking a lot of Red Bull and then was not eating like anything. Um, and yeah, that's not good for you. <laughs> So that never got fixed or addressed or like looked at like that just like became a thing. And then I, I graduate high school and the, my first two years of college, right. All in the same year, I get my high school degree and my associate's degree in the same month. And then I decide I'm going to leave and go to a four-year university, which was always the plan. And so I leave and decide to go to a four-year university. Um, <laughs> for context on my mental health, my mental health, from my memory, I, I say from my memory because I, I tend to idealize things, but from my memory, those two years in the community college, my mental health was like fucking thriving. Um, and I say that as in like my depression, um, not as in the eating disorder aspect, but like my depression, like I was doing so good. Um, definitely not as good as I'm like doing now. And what I mean by that is like, I was happy. Um, but I also was coping in a really like in very poor ways and had a lot of internal shame. So like on the surface, I think that like, I remember it as being a really like blissful time in my life because I wasn't just depressed all the time. But now, like when I experience depression and where I am in my life now, I, I cope with it in much healthier ways and I have tools. So I wasn't healthier at that time in my life, but I was like, I felt very happy. And I think it was a very surface level happy, but I did feel happy. And um, I also had started like dating a tiny bit, not very much, but I had like two guys that I had like things with and it was like. Like I'm, you know, like was, had kissed a few boys at that point. Um, everything was very PG, um, aside from my assault, which I tend not to count. Um, cause I don't think that that should count. Um, but yeah, so then I go to, to my, my college, the four-year university after I graduate high school and I'm, I'm 18 at this point. And 
there's a whole lot more freedom, right? Um, because now I don't live at home. So now there's no curfew. Now there's no one watching over me and making sure I'm doing things that are safe. And um, I tailspin into probably the worst manic episode I've ever had in my life. And keep in mind, we still don't know that I have bipolar. <laughs> so that was part of the other aspect of this eating disorder is when I would get manic, I wouldn't eat, which is very common for people who have mood disorders and eating disorders is that mania like takes place and you get this adrenaline rush and you just keep going and going and going and going. And unless someone interrupts you or something interrupts you, you often forget that food is something that you have to keep like putting into your body in order to keep going. And then you crash. So that happened a lot to me, especially in college, like those first two years of college when I was also in high school, because I was having really late nights and like really intense assignments and, you know, class schedules and homework schedules. And I would just like go, 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 go. And then like crash. And I get to college and I have at this four-year university, I'm 18, first time out of the house, uh, living in a dorm. I remember the moment I realized that, uh, someone asked me like, oh, do you want to go out and hang out? And we were all going to go out. And it was like, you know, fucking one in the morning. And it hit me. And I looked over at my roommate and I was like, oh my God, like we don't have curfews. And she was like, yeah, we're in college. And I was like, that did not register in my brain that we didn't have curfews until just now. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like this is going to be fun. And so for the first like three weeks of college, I, I like skipped a ton of classes, wasn't eating, wasn't showering. Um, I was showering, but like, I wasn't like taking care of myself on like a normal basis. Like I wasn't, I was like staying up till like five in the morning and sleeping until two, like skipping classes. I was doing really bad in classes. Um, I was very manic all of the time, making very rash and impulsive decisions. And um, that was very scary and chaotic for me because I, the one thing that was constant throughout my mania and my depression and the things I'd gone through in high school were I, I was always good at school. I was valedictorian of my high school class. I had a 4.0. That was the thing that I was fucking good at. And then I got to college and all of a sudden like this mania hit me so hard that like I I started to like falter in school and that was terrifying. And then I start dating someone. And the person I start dating um ends up assaulting me in October of that year, which for context, school started at the very end of August. So that first month of school was like chaos. I was I was in a manic episode. My eating disorder was like absolutely terrible. I wasn't eating at all. I was starving myself. It was a nightmare. And then this person comes in who I later find out is known for grooming people who are going through life transitions and traumas and are not thinking clearly. And he grooms those people and then uh, starts to emotionally and sexually abuse them. And I get into a relationship with him. And that relationship is relatively short. But then I get, you know, I get assaulted multiple times in that relationship with one or two really big assaults that stuck out of my brain, but the entirety of the relationship like was abusive. And there were a lot of assaults that happened throughout that relationship. So now we've got a lot of different things playing into the eating disorder aspect, right? Um, we've got the fact that someone has seen me naked, which that's terrifying. Um, we have the fact that 
the person who saw me naked then assaulted me, right? So now there's this like trust thing of not being good enough. I also later find out that he cheated on me, which anyone who's ever been cheated on knows that you kind of start to go through this like, oh my gosh, was I not good enough? And you go through the laundry list of like, am I not smart enough? Am I, am I, am I not pretty enough? Am I not funny enough? Am I a bad kisser? Like all these different things. And so basically insecurities just start piling on. And I start to regulate a little bit. I start to come out of this manic episode and I'm, I break up with this guy because the mania had ended and like my rational mind was like, I didn't realize he had assaulted me yet, which I talk about in my survivor story. But, um, I just realized I didn't really like the relationship and I didn't like who I was becoming in the relationship. And so I ended it and I started to kind of regulate, started to get a little bit you know, get my feet on the ground. I met with my academic advisor and he was like, okay, how do we figure out how to like get you to eat, shower, like go to classes? Like, let's figure this out here. And like, he went and like bought me breakfast and was like, let's get food in you first. Um, which I tell that story a lot because I think it was really pivotal for me because he had no idea that I was actively battling a really vicious eating disorder. But like he stopped and was like, we need to start with food. Like that is what you need first in order to function. And I start to regulate. I end up getting in a different relationship. I realized that I was assaulted. And then now we start into a whole nother trauma of me reporting my assault. And that lasts for months. And during that time, I enter a horrible depressive episode where I'm depressive and then manic, but I'm not manic, like hyper manic. I'm manic, um, depressive. I'm having like a combined, a combo episode where I'm manic, but I'm manic in my depression. And so my manic episodes are, they're, it's combined. And it's basically like, if I was manic, I was manic about like self-harming or making really like destructive decisions that were like all rooted in this like depression. And throughout all of that, I'm skipping meals like crazy. Um, a huge part of that was I had major social anxiety about going out and um, seeing people at the college because there was rumors spreading around about the investigation, me reporting it, the assault, like what happened. I was getting villainized. There was a lot going on. And I was so terrified and so anxious and so insecure. And I didn't eat. Like my solution to that was I'm not going to leave my dorm room. Here's the hiccup to that. Um, In order to eat, you have to go to the cafeteria because I was on a meal plan and all the food that I had was in my tiny little dorm room fridge and I had no money because the money that I did have, I was impulsively spending because it was the only thing, the only outlet I had because gaining weight was too scary. So I wasn't going to compulsively eat. So I was going to compulsively spend. And I just never went to the cafeteria. I would never go to like the dining hall. I just like wouldn't eat and normally would not eat the entire day, would go to work, eat a little bit. And then normally would like Uber eats dinner because I needed, like I couldn't function and needed food but I didn't want to go to the dining hall. And then I didn't have money because I spent a lot of my money on Uber Eats. <laughs> Quite a vicious cycle. So um, that just like keeps happening, right? Like it, none of that changed. <laughs> like I didn't realize it was an eating disorder 
um, it just kept happening. I just kept going through these cycles of like not eating. And honestly, like I, that relationship that I had during that time, I, it ended. Um, I honestly like kept this cycle up until I left that, the college. Um, I ate a little more normally when I would move home or when I would, um, I moved into an apartment one summer and I had a kitchen. And so that was fun to like grocery shop and cook. But like when I was actually in the dorms, I was eating so little, it was insane. And I wasn't really losing weight. And I think that's the thing that was a little bit confusing and deceived me just a tiny bit because I, I wasn't losing weight. I was not eating the entire day. And then I would like binge eat in the evening because I was so hungry. And so in my brain, I'm not anorexic because I'm not losing weight. I'm not like sick. I don't look sick. I don't look like I'm not bony. And so it was like, there's no way I'm, I'm anorexic. Fast forward to the pandemic. Okay. And this is what I mean when I'm saying that, like, this is a very recent thing for me. Like, I am processing this all very recently. It is not something that I've had a grip on for a long time. Right. Um, fast forward to the pandemic and, um, I'm eating a little more normally, but also not at the same time. And I ended up dating someone in April of 2020. And I think just having someone who was new to my life, who watched my habits, it was just, he recognized like, Hey, like you don't eat enough. (laughs) Like, why are you not eating? Um, and I also had started a lot of body love, like journeys at that point. I started um, I, I had been, I had talked about my assault openly. I had started to engage in, um, after I broke up or after I got broken up with, I'm not going to twist the story there. I got dumped after I got dumped by, um, like a year and a half long relationship. I started dating a ton and, um, which was, I actually like, don't regret that at all. I think it was really healthy for me to actually date around. I had never dated before, but I ended up like, I started having sex and, um, that was something that I hadn't really done a lot of. And, um, there's a lot of body liberation. I think that happens through that because I started to become comfortable in my body. And I also think it was a little bit toxic at the same time because I was becoming comfortable in my own body because other people were affirming it, not because I liked it. And then at the same time, you've got social media starts to have conversations about body positivity, body love, diet culture, um, fat phobia. And I start realizing that maybe I, I hate my body more than I thought I did. And specifically the narrative about loving your body for what it does, not for how it looks started to come out. Like I love my body because it carries me places because it's taken me through all of these really hard times. And it is my companion and my friend and you know, don't my, my therapist, like starting in, I, I went to a new therapist starting in 2018 and my therapist would say, don't talk to yourself like you would to a friend. And I'm, she would reiterate that over and over again in my support group. And I remember being like, oof, <laughs> I don't do that. Um, and so a lot of little things started to come together where society was kind of catching up. Um, I was in therapy that was not Christian therapy. I was in real therapy that was based in science. 
and tools. And I started to get tools of how to process trauma. I started to realize how much of my trauma was really intertwined and that my, my, I didn't just like have sexual assault trauma. I had trauma from a lot of different things and it all kind of started to like come together in this web. And part of that was also me talking about that relationship that I had been in for a year and a half. And there were some things that were said about my body in that relationship that uh, wrecked me for quite a, quite a long time. <laughs> um, I was told I wasn't skinny enough. I was told that he wasn't attracted to me anymore because I wasn't skinny. That fucks you up. And it fucks you up a lot more when you already have a, like, 15-year, like, battle with hating yourself. And so that all kind of comes together to the pandemic. I have a lot of time on my hands. I'm looking at social media a lot and there's a lot of different things, a lot of different encouragement. I start to um, wean out accounts that I'm following. Like I start to not follow certain accounts that I, that I didn't feel like helped me or made me like myself. I started to follow a lot of fat creators and a lot of body positive creators and started to fill my brain with things that were not toxic. And then I also started to post photos of myself that were photos that either I normally wouldn't post. I remember in that time period, I posted um, a a photo, like a reel, like multiple photos of photos that I didn't post originally when they had had, like when I had taken them because of certain ways that my body looked. And I posted something about like, I didn't post this because my arms looked too big. Like what I, what I didn't say about my arms was that like these arms helped me carry the flowers for my sister on her wedding day. Cause the photos were from my sister's wedding. And so I started, I, I definitely like was addressing this like body hatred, right? I was addressing that. I didn't like my body. I hadn't connected the dots yet that a huge part of that was because I was suffering from an eating disorder. And but I was starting, like the ball was rolling and things were starting to click in my brain about body hatred and body dysmorphia. And I remember I had a friend in college who was battling an eating disorder and would tell me about things of her eating disorder. And I didn't feel like her eating disorder was bad enough for her to call it an eating disorder. And I like would like criticize her for it and like judge her and be really controlling about it. And I had no idea that like I was doing that because things she were just, she was describing as eating disorder tendencies were things that I did. And I did not want someone to tell me to my face like, oh yeah, well I'm getting help because I have an eating disorder and this is why. And then have that why be like correlate with my personal life. Cause it was like, what the fuck? I don't have an eating disorder. So if I don't have an eating disorder, then you can't. And I would like control her and judge her. I've since had to go back to her and be like, hey, so like turns out I do have an eating disorder. Like, I'm so sorry that I like was so controlling and judgmental about your journey. I just like it was so hard for me to see you processing it and healing from it, because if if you were admitting that you had a problem, then I probably did, too. And so all of this kind of culminates into I start dating this guy and I start living with him at one point and he starts seeing my eating habits like really up close. And, um, he would just kind of like send me texts throughout the day and be like, Hey, like, have you eaten? <laughs> like, how's that going? And 
I remember like sitting down with him being like, I think I might have an eating disorder. And he was like, yeah, like that probably <laughs> like you don't eat at all. Like this is not, that makes sense. And I started to have like a healthy balance with, I would reach out to him and be like honest about when I didn't feel good about my body. And I stopped weighing myself. Um, like I would not weigh myself. Um, if I, like, I remember I sent him one text at one point that said like, Hey, I need some body encouragement. And nothing was about how my body looked good. It was about like your arms give the best hugs. Like you're the best person to cuddle with. And it was things about what my body did and not what it looked like. And that was a huge, um, that was like the center point of how I readjusted my mindset around my body was anytime I would start to criticize my body, I would be like, well, my tummy is bloated because I just went out and had a dinner with a best friend and it was so much fun. And I'm so happy that I fueled my body in that way. And I started to reorient the way that I thought about food and the way that I thought about how it affected my body. And food became a friend of like, no, this food is giving me fuel and energy so I can do amazing things. My arms are the way that they are and they give great hugs and they help me write and they help me tell stories. And it was like, I just started to like, look at the, the things that my body did compared to how my body looked. And that's kind of where I still am. Like I am not out of the woods with the eating habits. Uh, it is like 12 and 12 p.m. when I'm recording this and I realized like fuck I haven't eaten and it's something that I really when I get into depressive episodes it gets so much worse and I am working like actively with my therapist as to like how do we make this more convenient for me how do we work this because I think part of healing is you have to find what works for you and all there isn't like a fix-all right and for me it's like I would put so much pressure on myself to like make meals and to be like aesthetically pleasing. And so much of that is just from the amount of time I spent on social media. And so I shifted to like, you know what, we're going to have an ass ton of frozen meals. And if I am too depressed to make a meal, we're going to just do some janky frozen meal because I need food in my body. Or if I'm too depressed to even get up and make the frozen food, we're going to do Uber Eats and I'm going to budget Uber Eats into my financial budget because I, I used to feel so ashamed when I would Uber Eats. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm wasting money. And it's like, yeah, but sometimes I'm so depressed that I can't, I don't have the energy to do anything besides get food delivered. And like, that's okay. I just am trying to adapt and like build those healthy habits into my routine so that even when I am highly depressed and that triggers my eating disorder, I have, I have plans and I have things set in place to keep myself fed. And, um, I think luckily my mindset is not as much when I forget to eat, it's not like, oh, yay, I'm thin. It's more so that I've gone so many years not making food a priority that it's going to take a while for food to be a priority in my brain. Like I have spent the last 20 years with food just kind of being like a second, like an afterthought. And I'm still actively working on how to make it a primary thought and how to make it a priority. And part of that is like me planning out meals. Part of that is like, I'm like setting reminders and things like that. Like it's a very ongoing thing and it ebbs and it flows. And I'm, that's not something that I'm over at all. 
Um, and I think that's why this episode is like, so like, I, I feel squirmy saying it out loud. Cause it's just, it's, it's one of those things where I, it's, it's an active struggle for me. And I think that the one thing that I want to kind of leave you guys with is uh, both Debbie and Megan reiterated this, but you don't need to look sick or be dying to get help. And I think that there is this undertone within eating disorders and the way that society has portrayed them that in order to get help, in order to be diagnosed, in order to actually verbalize that you have an eating disorder you have to be like dying and in dire need of help and having like so skinny and bony and like you look like you have nothing left and that's that's not what that's not what needs to happen like that's not everyone gets to that point before it starts really drastically affecting their health and not to mention the way it affects your mind and you don't need to get to that point before you start reaching out and asking for help um I'll be honest, I'm not going to be the person for you to reach out to about that because I'm not in a place where I can mentor anybody through that. Like I'm still super actively going through it. But Debbie has mentioned that her DMs are open. Megan has mentioned that her DMs are open. And I've tagged a lot of body body positive creators in the past. And there's also ways to get in touch with a therapist or a support group if you don't have health insurance and you're trying to find a more cost efficient way to get help. Um, there are a lot of ways to get help and your body is not, is not that important. Like the way that your body looks, it's just not that important. Your body's important because it does things and helps you and that's why you're alive. But the way that your body looks, is just not that important. Um, you're a lot more than what your body looks like and your worth is not found in how much you weigh or how thin you are. Um, everybody looks different. Everybody's going through something different. And I'm definitely not at self-love yet. I'm at (laughs) self-like. I like myself. I don't love myself yet, but I do like myself. Um, But we're getting there. And that's okay. Um, I don't have to be completely at the finish line in order to talk about something that I'm going through. Um, I have a quote on my wall that says, I like who I'm becoming and I'm becoming who I like. And I think that that's the most accurate way to describe this journey for me. We're not there. We're not to love yet. Um, But I like myself and I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to say that three years ago. So for me, that's huge. Um, And I hope that you get there too. And if it takes you 22 years, like it took me, then that's okay. (laughs) But, um, Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode or learned something from it or felt affirmed or validated in your experience. Um, Like I said, it's an episode that's kind of bizarre for me because I'm going through it. And so I don't feel like I have um, authority to speak on it. But I do have the right to talk about my own experiences. And that's something that I'm kind of coming to terms with a little bit. Um, if you listen to my episode with Megan, she literally calls me out on that in the middle of the episode where I was like, well, I, you know, I don't have the, like the right to speak on it. And she was like, I'm going to pause you there. Like you do. And she corrects me in the middle of the episode. Um, because it's hard. It's hard to feel like you are like your experiences are valid enough to actually talk about them and own them. And I think there's a lot of imposter syndrome when it comes to eating disorders for a lot of people where they don't feel like it's bad enough for them to actually 
claim eating disorder as the title. Um, but don't let it get bad enough. Like get help first. And chances are, if you're sitting there and going back and forth, back and forth, do I have an eating disorder? Do I not have an eating disorder? You probably have one and it's worth talking to someone about and getting help or at least exploring that possibility of you having an eating disorder. Like it's, it's worth exploring that for sure. So yeah, well, I hope you guys enjoyed, but that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us five stars on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also follow the blog on Instagram at Serafina blog and visit us online at serafinablog.com. That is always so weird to read after there's like a really intense episode. Um, but as always to end our time and clench your jaw, take a deep breath. I'm doing that one because I'm so wound up after that, that whole conversation. Um, and remember you can always learn, you can always grow and you can always choose to live your life in a more mindful way. I will see you guys next week. 